Well, good morning again, y'all. Hopefully I can get finished up this Sunday and uh, y'all can get somebody else in here for next. You need some of these? (laughs) Billy, would you mind opening us in prayer? So let's turn back to Psalm 82 uh, right quickly. And I think that last Sunday I may have came across and gave the wrong impression as to what I was trying to say. This whole study that I've been trying to do and teaching is to point out that there is a supernatural realm that we cannot see but that affects the things that go on here in this world. And Psalm 82, um, I feel like, is God talking to the angels that were put in charge of the different nations when the nations were split up. And the part where it keeps saying, well, let me just start right here. In verse 1, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. That's a little g God. The angels that he put in charge of the nations, other than the nation of Israel, took those angels, the, the people, took those angels and made gods out of them. They started worshiping them as false gods, just like a lot of the other things in the Old Testament, the golden calf at uh, when Moses was up on the Mount Sinai. They took them and made them gods, and I think that God here was pointing out that, you know, you have been made into gods by the people, but he was still in charge. He was, that's why he had this meeting with them, was to point out that he's still in charge, and he wanted his will taken, made a Spread <laughs> and not theirs. And yeah, yeah, still today. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let me find it right here. If you skip on down to verse 7, I don't want to read the whole thing again because we done read it last week. But verse 7 says, Ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. And now I've got to find it in my note. Turn with me right quick to Luke chapter 20. And they may only be one heater working this morning, but it's doing a good job. All right, in Luke chapter 20, 
We're going to start in verse 34. And Jesus answering said unto them, now they're talking about the resurrection here. And Jesus answering said unto them, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. I wanted to point out there that he says, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels. The angels don't die. But in Psalms 82, verse 7, it says that they will die like men. So those angels that strayed away from the path that God wanted them, their, their job, when God set them over the nations, was he took the nation of Israel. We read that last week too. That was his portion. And those angels were still supposed to help guide those countries toward Israel to be able to be grafted in and to be children of God. But they had left that. And then they had accepted that the humans were worshiping them and making them into false idols. So their punishment, I feel like, in Psalm 82, and like I said, y'all don't have to agree with me. You don't even have to believe what I'm saying. I mean, I believe it, but you don't have to. And that's not, there's no reason for us to fight about it. You know, that's not anything that's going to keep either of us out of heaven. So anyway, uh, I believe their punishment is that they are going to die like men do. So now I'm going to move on uh, as soon as I can figure out where I'm at. We read Deuteronomy where it said the Lord's portion was Israel. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4 right quick. Yes, chapter 4, Deuteronomy. start in verse 15 as soon as I find it <laughs> alright verse 15 says take ye therefore good heed to yourselves for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image or an idol. The similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven 
shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them which the Lord God hath divided unto all the nations under the whole heaven. Now, I know that probably most of the commentaries in the bottom of your Bible is going to say that that host of heaven is all the stars, constellations, and things like that. And I believe it can be that. But I also believe that he's talking about the angels here, not just those angels put over the nations, but if you remember last week, I believe that they, during the early, right after creation, there was a time when they could see the supernatural world that we don't see. If you think about when Abraham, uh, when Jesus came to Abraham with the two angels to tell him about what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember that story, and Abraham pleaded, you know, if there's 10 righteous, or he started at 50 and went down to 10. Anyway, he was, Abraham was looking after his brother, but if you read the first part of that, when he saw them coming, he, had, he didn't not understand that they were angels. He realized it right off. Um, so this right here in verse 19 even all the host of heaven should just be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. So I think here this can also be talking about those angels that he divided out the nations to, to look after. He's telling them here not to be worshiping them, and they've done it anyway. Um, did we read Job last week? We did? Okay. Yeah, that's where it talks about the sons of God came to present themselves. And uh, I think I went over where in Revelation that I believe when Jesus was born, his audience with God ended. We read Friday night in Bible study. Uh, let's just turn there real quick. Revelation chapter 12 if you don't mind. In Revelation 12, we'll read, start in verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she began... And she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. So the pregnant lady here is the nation of Israel because that's where Christ was, Christ was birthed from the nation of Israel. Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven horn, heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Uh, we talked about Friday night how this was Satan is the great red dragon. And he was standing uh, before the nation to devour the child as soon as it was born. And if you think about it, when they came and told Herod uh, about that the Messiah was coming and was going to be born, then he killed all the male children. They had to flee into Egypt. And uh, 
Satan has been trying ever since. Ever since the beginning, Satan's main goal is to disrupt the plan that God has. I told him Friday night too, I think that he feels like that if he can get more to go to hell with him than God gets to go to heaven, then he's won. Uh, but we talked about how how stupid he is because God is all-knowing and his knowledge is limited. So God knows what his plans are before he even tries to, uh, to do them. Uh, verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And I, I feel like that was when the nation of Israel was scattered throughout the whole world before they came back as a nation or started to come back as a nation in 1948. And there was a war in heaven. I meant to point out up here in verse 4 that uh, it says his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. That was the, the third part of the angels that went with him. And there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. That's where I get the idea that, that he doesn't that Satan no longer has an audience before God. And it happened at Christ's birth. In verse nine, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And this next part, no, this ain't, I'm going to keep reading, I wanted to point out a certain thing here. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Now this next part is what I really wanted to point out. Therefore will rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So from that point on, there has been great wrath by the devil. He's brought a third part of the angels with him. They're all restricted here to earth. They can't go back and have their audience before God, and he is ticked against us. Uh, I pointed out, uh, Friday night too, and I don't have my notes from Friday night to take you to that scripture, but uh, uh, it talks about Michael. We read here Michael uh, had was the leader of the war in heaven, but it talks about Michael being the angel that's the protector of Israel. I think it's in Daniel, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, and then, so it says that he is the protector of Israel, well, after we become saved, we're grafted in, we're adopted in, so he's our protector too. So um, just keep that in mind. 
And now I want to switch gears just a little bit and go to Genesis chapter 6. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Genesis 6. And I want to, this is what's going to tie in with the current events that I was telling you last week when we get to it. In Genesis 6, 6 and verse 1, it reads, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they choose, chose. All right, the sons of God here are, those, are angels. They're not the same angels that were put in charge of the nations when they split up, because this is before that. I know I, I went through all that first just to show the supernatural stuff, but I wanted to come back to this. These are angels that came down, uh, that rebelled against God and his plan and came down to, uh, to the earth, and they saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took them as wives. And the, the word took there in the original language uh, is not that they went up to them and said, hey, you're hot, let's get married. They, they went and took them as their wife. Um, and the, the sons of God here goes back to what we read in Job chapter 1 and 2, where the sons of God came to present themselves before uh, Jesus. That just backs up that this is angels and not some Bibles at the bottom in the commentary say it's the sons of Seth. And that the daughters of men are the daughters of Cain. And I just don't think the Bible supports that. There's no, before this time, there's no restriction on who can, who they can marry. It's just that they marry one another. So anyway, that's how I got to the point of, that these are the angels with the men. Verse 3, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. So there were giants in those days and after that, they were after the flood also. And when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. <clears throat> now this right here, I got to thinking when I read over this, that these were mighty men and men of renown. Mighty men of, which were of old and men of renown. Think about all the Greek uh, mythology. You know, you have gods that 
mate with humans and they have demigods in that mythology. And, I mean, if you think about it, this is where a lot of that thought comes from. They considered those angels to be gods, little g-gods, and then they had relations with women, earthly women, and then they considered those mighty men, which were of old, to be the demigods. And <clears throat> I feel like that these, their offspring, I feel like were the giants. And we'll get to how they got past the flood here in just a little bit. In verse 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Y'all remember that. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and he, it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. Noah came from a lineage that was not corrupted by these angels. Now I think that, I feel like that the devil, Satan, had this lined up because he thought that if he could corrupt the bloodline, then the Messiah could never be born. But here Noah, it says, was perfect in his generations. It didn't mean he was perfect. It just, the way I understand it and read it and feel like God showed it to me, is it that he was perfect in his generations means that he was undefiled by these uh, angels. His bloodline was pure. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through, me, through them. And behold, I will destroy them with, with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without. And this is the fashion that y'all thou shall make it. And he goes on and tells him uh, how to make the ark. And then he destroys all the earth with a flood. So, uh, except for the eight people that were on the ark. So, if you read the story of all that taking place. <clears throat> Noah, his three sons, and their wives. Well, now, Noah, we know, and his three sons, and Noah's wife, had to be of the clean bloodline. Otherwise, it wouldn't have said that he was perfect in his generations. But it doesn't say that his son's wives were. So I feel like that one of their wives had the descendants from the, I think it was Ham, personally, but that's just me, uh, that had the gene that created the giants after the flood. And if you remember, <clears throat> if you've done any study in the Old Testament, uh, when they were to, during the Exodus, when they were go, to go into the land, <clears throat> there were certain tribes that God told them that they could 
just run out of the land and take their land for a possession. And then there's certain people and tribes that God told them they had to utterly destroy. He wanted everything destroyed. Their animals, their, the men, the women, children. He wanted the whole thing wiped out. And if you'll do some studying on it, all those that were supposed to be totally wiped out were the giant races during that time. All right, there is uh, an apocryphal book called the Book of Enoch, and it's not considered to be biblical. They don't uh, consider it to be biblical, but the readers of the first century during Jew- Jesus' time would have read it, and we can sh- I can show you that in Jude in just a minute, but in it, it talks about these angels that we read about here in Genesis and how they came down and mated with women and produced the giants and the, the, uh, the things that God, uh, the judgments that he put on them. So if you will, turn with me to Jude chapter 1 right quick. Violence, Hamas means violence, yeah. Hebrew. In Jude, I said chapter one, but there's only one chapter in Jude. Uh, Verse six. And it says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. So that was those that was in Genesis that we just read about. But left their own habitation, hath he, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So those that did that, that came down and mated with the humans, Jude here tells us that he put them into gloomy darkness. He reserved them for everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So his punishment was that he put them in, in everlasting darkness, chained up until the judgment of the last day. And I feel like, if I could find my notes. Um, well, before I say that, let's go to Second Peter right quick, chapter 2.
And verse 4 reads, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now that reserved unto judgment, I feel like, is uh, what happens in Revelation, where it says that there were beasts that come out of the ground, and it talks about how they looked and that what their job was. I feel like, now this is me personally, I'm not saying that it's, it's in the Bible that says this, but I feel like they're the ones that are going to come out of the ground. It's going to be these, because it says he reserved them till the day of judgment. I feel like he had a purpose for them uh, on the day when, when he's going to judge the world at the end of the age. Male. Mm-hmm. It does lead you believe that. Absolutely. Personally, I believe it could be either way. Uh, I don't believe there's any any stipulation that says they couldn't uh, have physical relations. I know it leads you to believe that they don't, but there's no reason for them to in heaven because God created them and they don't have to procreate like we do. Go ahead, bud. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm kind of, honestly, my belief is if they can take on the human form, they get all the attributes of, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're fully human, so to speak. I mean, I know they're not, but you know what I'm saying? They, anything that we can do, they can do is the way I feel about it. Yeah.
Did you have something? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. God never created man that way. So he Satan, I think Satan used the power the power he's back the power of God. Used the powers that he had in order for that to happen. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh if you will turn with me to Second Kings right quick. I'm going to try to wrap this up. We're going to go to chapter 6 of 2 Kings. So to give you a little background before we read this, uh, Elisha was the prophet of Israel here. Uh, the king of Syria wanted to take over Israel. He was uh, besieging it, fighting a war, coming after him. And every time he would make plans that he thought were foolproof and that he was going to really take over the army of Israel, uh, the king of Israel, Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, I'm sorry, would go to the king and tell him what the plans were. So uh, the king of Syria said, how is it that uh, they know my plans before I execute them? And somebody in his council said, well, there's this prophet, Elisha, and he goes and tells the king of Israel the words that you say in your bedroom. And so the king of Syria says, well, where's he at? Let's go get him. And they tell him that uh, he's in this place called Dothan. So he, sent, he dispatches a, a troop after him, a big troop. <laughs> and we're going to start in 15. So now they, sorry, i got to do a little more. Uh, at this point, they have surrounded the place where Elisha is at him and his servant. And verse 15 says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that, they, that he may see 
And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now that was the angels that God had dispatched to look after them. And the reason I brought that up is because last week I talked about the veil or the, the separation where we can't see. That had happened here, but Elisha had prayed that God would reveal it to his servant, and he did. He was able to see through that and see the forces, the supernatural forces around them. Um, and now I'm, I'm drawing to a close here. Let's go to Matthew right quick, chapter 24. And I just want to read two verses. In Matthew 24, verses 38 and 39. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away. So... Shall, it, shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, most of the time when that's used, um, it's talking about how that they were eating and drinking and marrying and that Jesus is going to come quickly and we're not going to be expecting it. But I feel like that he is saying, I know, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, I feel like that he's saying that as in the times of Noah where those, the great technology things had happened and the, the only evil continually in the hearts of man and I believe we're in those times now I believe the hearts of man are evil continually uh, and I also believe that where he, he's referring to where those angels mated with humans I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that's going to happen again but I'm saying that the the things that those giants were able to do because I feel like that the pyramids, I don't think Egypt built the pyramids. I think they were there and they just found them and decided they was going to live there. And that some of these other places, the mines down in Mexico, all these places, they use these great huge stones. And if you listen to the scientists, they tell you that they were built in a time when they didn't have the tools or the resources to even cut the stones or move the stones. And then they're placed together so tightly that you can't even slide a piece of paper between the stones. And I feel like that that workmanship was of the angels and the Nephilim that we talked about. And I feel like that now, if you think back to the time from Christ until now, how, how much technology has grown and how much it's grown in the last little bit. Now I'm trying to hurry up. Uh, but the 19th century, so that was in the 1800s, uh, saw the beginning of the great technology, technological breakthroughs. Electricity, the telephone, uh, radio, advanced weaponry, computers, etc. I know, I know. So <laughs> I feel like that it's Satan and his angels are feeding these people that are in leadership uh, 
the things to do to help us destroy one another quicker and trying to uh, assert God's authority through that, that way. And I wanted to give you a quick, uh, quick little thing right here and I'll quit. They, they say knowledge has a half-life like uh, radioactive stuff. So the half-life of knowledge is the time it takes before half of a whole set of knowledge is made obsolete or surpassed by new knowledge. In 1900, knowledge doubled every 100 years. At the end of 1945, it was every 25 years. In 1982, knowledge doubled every 13 months. And they've decided that in 2022, just last year, that knowledge doubled every 12 hours. Knowledge cannot double that fast without help. And it's on a destructive path right to the end. And I, I feel like that the devil and the supernatural forces are uh, a major part of that. And I also feel like that that veil that hinders us from seeing the supernatural in the, as the end times get latter is going to be, it's going to get less and less. And I think they're pre preparing us for it now with all this talk of aliens. AI and aliens, they don't, they don't understand what they're seeing in the skies. I feel like it's angels, and they're considering it aliens. And I'm going to quit before, <laughs> before they come get me and run me out on a rail. <laughs> if you will, bow your heads, and I'll close this in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you this day and for all your many blessings, Lord, and pray that you'd watch over the service here today. Um, Bless the singing, the preaching, each and everything that goes on, Lord. I pray that you just have your hand in it. And let none come in here this morning with anything that's worrisome of the world, that they would hinder the Spirit, Lord. Let them be fully attentive to the Word of God that you would bring to them through Butch and through the singing and any testimonies, anything that goes on here, Lord. Let it be for uh, the upbuilding of your kingdom, Lord. And if there's any that comes in today that's lost, Lord, we pray that you'd prick their heart, and you'd draw them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they might come forward and be saved today, and that we can give them one of these new Bibles that we've got. And for all these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.